today's global gaming marketplace, your players want to pay how they want, when they want, and where they want. Accepting localized forms of payments and keeping up with what's trending is key to growing your gaming business and to finding new untapped markets. That's where Exola Payments comes in. With just one simple integration, you'll be connected to over 700 localized preferred payment methods on a global scale, including bank cards, digital wallets, mobile payments, cash kiosks, gift cards, special offers, and more. Plus, with Exola acting as your merchant of record, they assume the risk of cost of complex VATs, sales taxes, laws, and regulations. Leave every transaction to the experts while you focus on retaining and expanding your audience. You can get started today. Just head over to exola.pro slash paystation or look for the link in the description of this episode. Exola Payments, it's what your gaming business needs to succeed. Welcome to Twig number 203. We've got another full deck here today. We've got myself, Eric Sufert. We've got Eric K, Mr. Eric Kress. Uh, and we've got Laura T. How's everyone doing? All good. We, uh, er, Mr. Levy is uh, taking the week off uh, celebrating Yom Kippur. Um, we were going to move the Metaverse book, Mr. Matthew Ball book discussion till next week. I've got lots of thoughts, lots of thoughts. Matthew Ball's book. Um, I actually read it. Well, no, I didn't, didn't read, read it. it. I didn't. You didn't read it. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, yeah, I can't read. But I, I did listen to the entirety of books on tape. It was good. Um, but anyway, yeah, Levy's uh, taking a break this week for uh, for the holidays. Um, I actually, I, I actually went to a Rosh Hashanah service uh, at Temple Emmanuel in San Francisco. Nice man. And I swear to God, every time I go to a religious service. In the first like ten to fifteen minutes, I'm like, "Holy crap! Why am I not part of such a community? <laughs> such like a, a wonderful like get together of people, you know, people that help each other. Like it's such a wonderful thing. The pomp, the circumstance of all of it. It's just why am I not part of this? And why am I not exposing my children to this? And then by minute thirty, I'm like, "What the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> How can people do this every oh, week? I'm like, it's just too much. It takes too long. But and I have to say that this. This this actual service was so beautiful. Like the singer was like an opera singer. They had like a band. Like the production value was insane. <laughs> like it is probably the best service, I've, the highest quality service I've ever been to. But I was still like about ready to kill myself. It's so oh, boring. Man, come you know? on, like, it just gets boring. <laughs> anyway, um, and then my son and I are just sitting there like elbowing each other and i felt like i was a kid again you know in church so anyway i uh it was it was amazing service but uh, not not for me um anything going on with you guys i'm in the midst of a international move so it's my i would say my brain is basically swiss cheese at the moment between trying to remember half the things so i don't forget god knows what that's floating around my house that that's what, <laughs> so i'm sitting basically in two empty apartments <laughs> oh man when does your stuff arrive? Well, today, the movers right? arrived today. They they cleared out almost everything. I had a very uh, I had a moment where I was looking at my Wii U and all my games and thinking, do I keep this? And I decided to keep it. Um, but it's going to take between six and twelve weeks to arrive. So yeah, it's slow. Oh Christ yeah, Almighty! Like, oh my God! So you're going to have an empty apartment for that long? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be great. I love empty flats. I mean, half don't you when you like look at stuff, you just want to throw it all out. That's Oh, I do 100. Yeah. percent I mean, it's like the great, it's great purge, right? right? You can get rid of all the crap. So, but so, but now your stuff is so valuable that you're keeping it in the international move. Well, it's not. Val- I mean, I'm keeping like my plates and stuff. I don't want to rebuy all that. And then I have, I do have a collection of board games. So I, the, some of those, I, I did, I did purge a bunch of them. I actually gave them to Matt Baker at Trailmix. He he kindly took a bunch of stuff, a bunch of my board games. So, um, but the rest I'm, gonna, I'm trying to keep. It's it's part of work, right? <laughs> Yeah. Well, if you if, if you if you're keeping the Wii U, your bar is pretty fucking low. So it's like I, I don't know what I can tell you, right? Like that that that's one of those things that's got to oh, go, man. right? But whatever. Coming in hot, dress. We got the religion. We got the Wii U. Dude, I, I'm hitting every third rail that I can. Oh, um, all right. So 
the next oh the next update i'm 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 I'm, I'm carrying on here. Oh, do you have any updates, Mr. Seifert? We haven't heard from you in a while about your... I'm just busy. I'm busy, busy. I was not busy for a while, and now yeah, I'm you just seem like it. slammed. But that's good, right? Better to be busy than bored. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm very busy. No, that's It's true. a busy time in this industry. It's a very busy moment. It's a moment of change. Uh, it's a moment of... It's turmoil. It's a moment of transformation. It's a... It's a we're in the cocoon. Right, and we're 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 doing all the uh, the the re sort of calibration inside the cocoon, and then a beautiful butterfly is going to emerge. But right now, we're a disgusting worm <laughs> that's that's being so, operated so, on yeah, microscopically. We, we have to connect up offline, but I, I'm actually talking at the Google conference in November. Uh, uh, Laura, I, I I tried to get you out of it, honestly, but like, um, but I don't know if you could do it, even if you wanted to, but. Um, so anyway, what, one thing we're talking about, yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, we are in the cocoon. We're going through this absolute turmoil. Like, what is it? How does this, what does this look like in the next two or three years? You know, like it, it, it it's fascinating to think about, right? Because we just haven't really gone through this. And like the last eight years have been relatively steady. So, well, last year has been a boom. Um, it's anyway. been a boom across the board for all consumer tech. It's just a boom. It's, it's new, yeah. uh, you know, new engagement models, New exciting hardware, f- money falling from the sky to fund every sort of like wild-eyed <laughs> idea that you could dream up. And now that's not it, right? I mean, the financing's gotten tight. The capital flows are drying up. Um, you know, the, all the big tech companies are just killing off, which we'll get to. Any product that doesn't, uh, isn't expected to produce like near-term revenue, right? They're just killing it. All of the experimentation is just, is just being jettisoned in favor of like the core businesses and it's it's a it's a retrenchment like we've never seen in my career i've never seen no no i I, but this is a standard business cycle right this happens all the time we just haven't seen it well no but yeah but in my like people haven't lived through yeah i haven't my career started at basically the end of the gfc like when we like i started working when we were climbing out of the gfc in 2010 so oh, I've never, wow. you know, oh, in my wow. oh oh, you've never in seen my it. working oh, lifetime. Shit. I've never I've seen two. Of yes, them. I mean, Wait, how old are you? I'm 38, but I, you know, I was graduating grad school in, oh, you're a in baby. 2010. Oh, I didn't know that you were that young. How old do you think I am, man? That's not all right. I'll tell you. Okay, I'll 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 tell you something that that pissed me off, and it's not okay. I was at the Iron Source event, and they it was a beautiful event, totally well done, like just impeccably organized from start to finish. But they brought in this catering, which the food was delicious, right? And I go to get some food. They had set up these stations. And I go to get some food from the station. And the guy's like, where are you from? The, the caterer, the, you know, the employee. And I'm like, I'm from the U.S. And he's like, oh, okay, I thought so. You look like family guy. <laughs> and I was, wow. I was like, oh. you mean the fat? <sighs> like the, the not, but not just like, I mean, this, this, the, Peter Griffin is like obese. Right? Oh my god, dude, yes. that's that's. I mean, he's like morbidly obese. I said, wait, so you mean the the very fat cartoon? You think I look like that guy? <laughs> and he's like, well, yeah, but yeah, but but before he went to the gym, and and uh, you can't you can't you can't uh, you know you can't climb your way out of this one, buddy. You you just insulted me deeply. Anyway, that pissed me off. That's, that was that's, a, that ruined my mean. day. I was in a bad mood after that. If you need any validation, you no, don't you look, look young, like dude. Peter Griffin. 100%. Okay, you have you no much. resemblance at all. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But that put me in a bad mood. All right. Let's, let's move on from my, uh, my right, sob story. On. All right. Uh, a, quick, a quick cyberpunk update. Uh, everyone seems to be hot and bothered by my commentary on cyberpunk. Or maybe it's just one or two people on Slack. I don't know. But I just – look, wake up. Like this is PR 101. <laughs> Right, like let's 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 be real here. It's cyberpunk is not making a comeback here because of some stupid fucking anime show. All right, you know cyberpunk is down to like sixty six thousand concurrence right now. It's not even the top ten on Steam anymore because it's a fucking one week thing. Right, didn't even show up in the UK charts for sales. Right, for the last couple of weeks, um, and the, and all the feedback I'm getting from the US channel is that nothing is fucking happening with cyberpunk. Again, at this stage, anyway, even if it did have some impact down. It's like units are like downloads. It's like a vanity metric, right? There's, yeah. If you're selling a game for 20 bucks, you're not making any money, right? It's fucking terrible, right? You're supposed to be selling it at $70 or 60 not 20 
Um, but of course, the PR department wasn't done. And so you fucking idiots paying attention to this, they leverage all this hype around this bullshit coverage, and they tweet these absolutely crazy plans for some kind of pipeline that is a complete pipe dream and ridiculous, right? They Five new games. The Witcher game that they've announced before, a new Witcher trilogy, right? Okay. A new cyberpunk game and a new IP. Dude, the last I checked, these guys had two fucking teams in Poland, right? And they're talking about outsourcing and all this other stuff. But this this new plan is ridiculous, right? That's that's never going to happen. And let me again put my cynical hat on. I know it's a stretch for me, but like this feels like a way of pumping the stock, right? Get investors again excited about the pipeline. You know, the PR department got a hit because these idiotic, enthusiastic press picked the shit up and talked about synergies and cross media and trans media and other such nonsense, right? And now they're capitalizing on it. So they're showing out a tweet of their pipeline so that investors say, hey, hey, man, these guys got something. But the reality of it is, is that we're not going to see a game from these guys for another three years, right? And at, at, at the earliest. And meanwhile, the revenue is going to keep declining, right? But maybe, and then the, the other cynical thing is maybe they're just trying to get this company up for a sale, right? Pump up the stock a little bit, you know, like, you know, make that happen, right? That, that, that's a, a typical ploy, right? Um, so again, there's nothing for any of the investors to get really excited about here. Right. And, and, and the stock is up like 13%, but also the market is crazy, but like, I think it has had some impact on the stock, but it's short term because by next quarter and the quarter after when they put down results of declining revenue, like the stock is going to get crushed again, um, until they get excited about the next release of Witcher. So anyway, I just want to make clear that that. All this is bullshit, right? Um, <laughs> Can I hold on? Because I anyway. so I I want so just because we're on the topic of stock prices. Um, okay, so a couple weeks ago I brought up the Phase Clan, right? I said, "Wow, oh. they they <laughs> oh, did a SPAC, and it it's it was up, right? It was up. I think it was up quite a bit at the time. I think I, but I I and I wasn't making a prediction about the price. I just said, "Hey, look, it's up." That I I wouldn't have guessed that it would be up right but now it's down and it's down below the debut price uh debut price was nine like just under 10 bucks and now it's at five five seventy but today it's up 15 percent. so i think phase clan is a meme stock now um and if you want to have some fun on the wall street roller coaster maybe this is where you put your money but at i would have guessed a gaming clan going public via spac would perform like it's performing now it was up at one point. Now it's just an update. We'll see. Stocks move. Maybe it'll be up tomorrow. But as of right now, it's it's at about sixty percent of the debut price. Well, this thing got crushed. Holy crap! Because it was up up to like fourteen fifteen, and now yeah. it's, it was down at like five. It was at twenty. It was at twenty <laughs> at one point. So I mean, it, it almost doubled. But now it's yeah, it's about sixty percent of the debut. Yeah, dude. These these spacs are just risky. Um, all right, I'm not talking about that. Uh, oh, really good news. Uh, E3 dates are set. Uh, I think we talked about this before, but what they announced was that they're going to do this similar to what they do in GamesCon, where it's like a couple days for business only and then two days for consumer, which I think actually may help get some of the bigger publishers on board, like EA potentially. I don't know. EA is kind of like super sour on the ESA, I think. Um, but uh but anyway, I think it's a really good idea for them to kind of mix it up a little bit and, and make it more of a consumer event. Um, the next thing, uh, Supercell shut down uh, Everdale. Uh, I don't know. People were somewhat surprised by this. I, it didn't feel like much of a surprise. The metrics look pretty bad. But um, but anyway, they're shutting it down. Um, and then another thing is, oh, PSVR reported <laughs> they're making 2 million units for launch. Okay. For the first... Okay. That is so fucking small, right? And okay, fine. They have production limitations or whatever, but it, it's an anticipation of the demand. Like no one gives a shit about this, right? It's going to be a great piece of kit. There's no content. It's not interesting. But but to put it in perspective, something like Connect had like 8 million sold within the first 60 days, right? And I think they sold in 10 million in the first quarter. And so like, that's like, and that's that was considered a failure, right? Now you're talking about 2 million. It's nothing, right? Like this is another much to do about nothing. It's a, it's a, you know, VR is dead, except for, you know, Facebook, you know, throwing money at it, right? Um, and then, what else we got? Oh, Playtica, 
Mr. Seifert. Yeah. Uh, Playtika closes Best Fiends Maker seriously after Clash over studio direction. So they had, you know, done a layoff um, a while back. And now I guess they've just completely closed the studio. Um, 120 staff affected in total. So they're going to they're gonna shift the production to Israel and Poland. I, I think the only point I wanted to make here, um, and Miska actually uh, has made this point in the past, is that, you know, a big... Like the, the big one of the big risks any sort of M and A transaction is the integration, and a big part of that is working culture. And I can't imagine two working cultures that are more diametrically opposed than sort of like Israeli working culture and Finnish working culture. And here's an example: um, when I was at Rovio, we were launching Angry Birds two, and it was a basically make or break moment for the company. I mean, I was brought into the company as part of like a turnaround and Angry Birds 2 was a big important pillar of that turnaround. Like this game had to succeed and the CEO took off the week before launch on vacation. And so did the VP of marketing and set, cause it was July and in Finland you go on vacation in July and everybody knows that. <laughs> and the launch date was July 30th. And so everybody's on vacation like the week leading up to and, and during the launch, but the week leading up to was like very hectic, right? And so we couldn't get a hold of anybody. Like the CEO like was like, all right, fine, we'll jump on this call. And he called from his car. You couldn't hear a thing he was saying. Uh, anyway, that, so that's Helsinki working culture. And, and I don't have a similar story from Israeli working culture. I never worked in Israel, but I, I have a feeling that wouldn't happen there. Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, Biska <laughs> no. has made this point. Uh, I'm kind of piggybacking on his point, but like these are these working cultures just uh, are not in alignment, and and I I guess this was you know a, a consequence of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like the fundamental beef that these guys had was that uh, you know Platika just wanted them to grow uh, best beans and not work on new projects, right? right. And that's evidently they have more of a creative culture there, and that that was not going to fly, and so. That's almost like an an impasse just from the sure, very beginning. Yeah. Like if that wasn't set up and understood at the beginning, that feels. And I actually I've, I've heard from these guys about this, so it's like it makes it make it does make sense. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, Looking, it, it's tough because I remember the when Playtika made a bunch of the um, more casual company acquisitions. I think at the time that was like 2018, 2019. Strategically, yeah. it made sense because I believe they wanted to branch out into casual games because that was when. Right. All the games were all the casual games were making a ton of money, so you want to yeah. diversify because I believe they're mostly focused on social casino. But looking yeah. at it with 2021, 2022 eyes, you know, I look, I actually, if I would go back in time, I, I, I would say, would these actually make sense in the long term? Because we end up we're pivoting more towards games where you need to be a specialist in in the subgenre of of the games you want to make. And so they're you know, Platique is great at social casino. That's their that's their bread and butter, but they've never internally, I don't know how much they've spent on time and investment in, in internally into, into more casualized games. So it's then how do they help studios like seriously really grow and develop? Because yeah, from seriously's perspective, you have this powerhouse that can potentially help them, help them grow, but then they need that expertise. Like a lot of it is trans is translatable, but some of it isn't. So looking at it from today's perspective, I I'm actually, the the acquisition just feels a little bit surprising, so I'm not then surprised that it maybe didn't go as planned. Well, that but that's for so I don't know how I mean this could have been a successful acquisition just in terms of the uh, revenue contribution from Best Fiends. I don't know. Sure. Um, but but the Wuga com- the Wuga acquisition certainly was yeah you know very very lucrative right. So I think and that was part of this push. My so at the time I sort of uh, applauded this. Uh, strategy because because for exactly the reason that you just cited it's like well they didn't have any expertise in the casual and there's so many cases of companies that specialized in xyz genre trying to build some new genre trying to diversify internally and then it's just like well that first game is going to suck i mean it's not going to work out and so you end up burning a lot of time and and my argument at the time was that it's just smarter to acquire um and you know the the play i mean maybe the seriously acquisition was was uh in hindsight, successful. Maybe it wasn't, um, but I think that was that was a strategy. We don't know anything about casual, and, and so we should just acquire uh, teams that do instead of trying to 
build that expertise internally. But my sense is that the Wu acquisition was they they probably yielded some multiple, some like significant multiple on that because Wuga like grew up, uh, blew up uh, pretty considerably after the acquisition. I think post acquisition, the games you know really took off, and so I think they, that was probably a very lucrative acquisition for them. Yeah, and Playtika did a good job with with Best Fiends. It seems. I mean, that that picked up. I mean, it didn't blow. It didn't you know go, yeah. go hyperbolic or whatever the fucking expressions. But here's here's my thinking though. Like, well, I mean, as a Playtika, as a stock, right? Like, like they've been trying to sell this idea of diversification away from casino for like since they went public, right? And and so this is not a good look in that sense, right? That this is a, this is a, that 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 story gets a little bit hazy if if not broken yeah. if they can't maintain a studio and then allow them to build games that help diversify the portfolio, right? Instead, and 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 I actually don't disagree with Playtika in the sense like, I think they should be optimizing best fiends and monetizing right. the best, but I think they also should be working on new IP to build out the portfolio, right? And so this is not a good look, right? From a stock perspective. Um, uh, and and I know there's a lot of other issues that are going on. I'm sure the Playtika guys are just like, want to want to punch me, but like, um, this is how hard it is. And I think you're trying to say, we're, we're, this is all, we're all saying the same thing. It's really hard to pivot into something else because you're so used to building and making, you know, social casino games, like managing and, and the creatives and, and building other things. It's really hard. Fucking hard. Yeah. And that's like, yeah. And so like, it, it is what it is, I guess. And so I guess they hope to find others. Now, the good news here is that like, most likely these Helsinki guys have like a gajillion offers out there, right? They're going to build New, there's like there's already rumors about three teams like spinning out from oh, this sure. and like they're gonna create their own thing and and get funded by all hopefully that money by me chasing um, yeah right Helsinki yeah, give, seriously yeah, give Eric Seifert X a seriously call. team reach out earlier the better yeah I I I I, I totally agree uh, Eric my sense is that so the the seriously strategy from the beginning was was a curious one anyway because it was like we're gonna build a franchise we're gonna build IP right we're gonna build a brand. And that was very much, I mean, Andrew and Petri came out of Rovio, right? And that was like, it was like, we're going to replicate what happened with Rovio, but just be way more systematic about it and not, you know, just flailing around, um, which was, you know, the early days of Rovio was not, they didn't have like a methodology, they didn't have a strategy. Uh, it just took off and it's like, okay, well, let's adapt. And that Andrew and Petri were like, okay, we can, we can actually take that framework and we can make it uh, systematic and we can build, you know, be, be, be sort of like just... Um, you know, methodical about it. Uh, but it was like, we're just going to focus on this best fiends brand, which I never, I don't think ever really got traction. I don't think best fiends as a brand, as an IP ever really, uh, reached any sort of like saturation, uh, or like took share of mind. So that was already kind of problematic. I, and they didn't really try to expand beyond that. Yeah. Wasn't it with the angry birds guy that they were going to be the next Disney, right. With their angry birds franchise. <laughs> yeah. Guy was like delusional. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, all right. So, okay. Headlines. All right. First story. Uh, Stadia's death isn't the end of cloud gaming by our friends at Polygon, I think. Right. Um, okay. Fuck it. I was dancing the jig finally, because after all this pop pompous talk about Stadia, it's finally dead, right? DED dead, done, gone. Sorry guys. Never going to work. Stupid idea. Second worst idea in video games besides uh, Apple Arcade. Um, so there you go. That's my that's my quick dance. You okay. Everyone but on the platform side, you pissed off Apple and Google with that one comment. <laughs> your 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 mic is down, but I, I hear what you're saying. I'm I'm not here to make friends with people at Apple, right? Um, all right. So basically, the article is. Defending cloud gaming again, because some people just do not want to let this thing go, right? Um, it talks about how OnLive failed in 2010. Sony stripped it for parts and built their service, which failed as well. Um, and Google Stadia basically lasted half as long, right? Um, and then they go on to talk about the, the challenges of cloud gaming. You know, they have, uh, they have to overcome technical, logistical, marketing, public perception, um, but then they talk about the enormous potential benefits, um, you know, the ease of use, the accessibility, and the truth of the Stadia's failure is purely because of Google. Like, it's all Google's fault that this thing failed, right? They chose the wrong strategy at the wrong moment, and then, despite its unlimited resources, they gave up, right? So it's all Google's fault, right? And again, they go on to what's holding this thing back. 
data networks are not as good. Uh, it needs, needs a bigger leap of faith from gaming audience. You know, that's not a fucking strategy, by the way. You can't just have faith, okay? That, you know, hope is not a method. You know, how many times have these things, these stupid comments are made by press people, right? Um, the hardware, they said the hardware, the games uh, were had to be bought at full price, so they weren't, like, subsidized by, by Google. The retail model was all messed up. It was never going to work. Um, and they didn't have a so software uh, launch strategy, which I actually do agree, finally, with something that these guys are saying. Um, and, 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 I, and they further basically say that, basically, they're basically saying that streaming is inevitable, right? We're going to get used to it. The consumer is going to come on board. The developers are going to figure it out. And then they're going to build this kumbaya moment in which everyone starts to embrace streaming and we're going to be in a brave new world. Like that's basically this point of this guy's article, which is moronic just to say, right? Um, but some of the fundamental things, they, 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 they just missed this, the whole fundamental reason why streaming doesn't work, right? And one of the things is, first of all, the Google's, and this was Google's fault, is that putting it on Unix never made sense. That was a huge problem and an impediment for content to be on there. Um, but, but, but then Newsy, okay, oh, oh sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm digressing here. Newzoo had to put its stink on this as well, right? So they basically said in, 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 in a response to whether or not they should change their forecast for, for, for uh, streaming, they said, the positive developments in, in, in the gaming market do not evaporate due to Stadia's shutdown. Moreover, Google's decision to refund all the hardware is a positive thing. We do not think it's necessary to adjust the forecast we made prior to the Stadia shutdown announcement. All right, good, good on you, Nuzu. Way to double down. Um, but the biggest problem with this whole fucking thing is that there was no content, right? That, that, that was the fundamental thing. It, there was no content to attract the core away from consoles because consoles is a better experience. Like that's the fundamental thing. Um, and they don't have the mass market of content to like, to, for, other, for other audience to come and try this platform. Um, and obviously, they didn't have any unique content. They didn't start building unique content until like year two or three, which was never going to work. And that's why they shut that down. Um, but again, this, I, I guess I, I don't want to keep talking about the same points about fucking streaming and why it's stupid, right? But, but what, what, I, I, I want to make a broader point. And this is what, what's bugging me about the metaverse. And this is what's bugging me about blockchain. And generally speaking, is that these tech companies and engineers in general think that Creating a great idea from a tech perspective is is the way is the right strategy, right? But they never ask about the customer. Like it's it always reminds me of the Jurassic Park comments. Like your scientists were so preoccupied with whether they could, they didn't stop to think if they should, right? And obviously it's under different contexts, but like these things fail because there's no consumer demand or interest for them. Like you can't create a product and hope that demand follows, right? And it's constant, like the Ouya, Stadia, Steam machines back in the day, the Wii U, you know, Loris <laughs> Wii U, uh, the VR, right? And I think ultimately the Steam Deck, and I wish Ethan was here because he loves the Steam Deck. Like, these are not ideas that are going to expand the market or, or this is not what the consumer wants, right? Fundamentally, right? And and I, I, I honestly do think that this is like the same idea for blockchain and, and Matthew Ball's definition of the metaverse. And I know we're going to talk about this next week, but like... Does a consumer really want blockchain games? Do they really care about ownership of assets? You know, I, th I, I, I think the answer is actually a little bit more nuanced, right? I think the crypto bros definitely want to own assets. They want to buy assets, sell assets, make money, repeat, right? Like that audience definitely wants fucking ownership of assets, right? I'm pretty sure the core gamer doesn't give a shit, right? They don't want anything to do with this stuff, right? Because that's just not the why they play games, right? And the mass market doesn't even know what the fuck you're talking about, right? So, like, exactly who are you building products for, right? That, I mean, that's kind of the thing. And then the Ready Player One metaverse, is that really how people consume content, right? Is that what, what customers want? I don't think so, right? One central depository of content, like one access point. Um, I think they, you know, customers want to experience content through a variety of mediums and platforms. TV, phones, handhelds, computers, movie theaters, whatever, they all have use cases that don't require ubiquitous metaverse, right? Um, so at, at the end of the day, like these are great technically technical ideas, but they're not necessarily what the consumer wants. And I think that focus has never kind of 
the attention of these technologists or these futurists like Matthew Ball. Um, and, and just for the record, cloud gaming is over. It was over before it began, really, right? It's a, it, it's, it's a feature on a box for Xbox, right? Um, it's not going to bring consoles to the masses, right? There's too many technical issues that are going to happen, and there's too many cost issues that are, that are a part of it. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a 15, 20-year type thing, just like the metaverse. So anyway, that's kind of my take on it. Um, RIP Stadia. Uh, it's been wonderful to cover. Anybody? I feel any like other I'm thoughts? walking into a minefield here, but I, I mean, I like the idea of, of cloud gaming. Um, I think the I think server side games where where heavy lifting is done in the back end and not on your device is incredibly powerful. But I'm a very small audience size, right? So I've wanted to play Steam games with with friends, but I I have a MacBook Air; it can't handle Steam, right? So the it, the idea is sound. I mean, if if that had worked, I would have a hundred percent used it. But I don't think that overlap of of what of the audience that it satisfies enough of the um, enough of that criteria is big enough, um, and I know in in this tech and this application about with with, with you know, Stadia in particular, but the the idea of that of having the heavy lifting in the server side, I think, is also has great applications beyond gaming. So there was some sort of Peloton deal that. That's great. You can have really stupid bikes where you don't have to invest all this money up front in the hardware for the actual bike, and then it's all done, and then it's done and updated, and everything's on the on the on, on the server side. Um, the from a strategy point of view, though, it's for this to work and to work at, at big scale, you need people when with a large group of people, ideally with low end devices that have proclivity for games and a network that can support streaming. And I just think that, you know, the Venn diagram of how many people that satisfies was way too small. If for, you know, for areas and countries that have a large amount of low end devices, they're probably not going to have the, the network uh, that supports, you know, you know, high, high, you know, high speed, low latency that you would want to actually enjoy these, these games. I just think it's, I hate to say, I feel like it's too early. Like if, if Starlink was to be was to go worldwide, now all of a sudden this gets a lot more interesting. So if Starlink was affordable and just everywhere, and that it wasn't running into the issues where even Western markets still struggle with getting five G or you know enough G enough speed to be able to kind of pick the stuff up and have it be the, the portable playable you want. It, it, I feel like it's just it's missing there. And then, I mean about the content. So they did have two hundred games. I just wish I think. This is this might be why Netflix is doing these partnerships, right? So Google did do, I believe, some partnerships, but I don't think they brought enough interesting titles to make it worth it. Um, and also, I also think their monetization strategy was a little bit off. They, they feel like they went very hard on trying to monetize it early, which didn't give them time to actually develop an audience, have people try it give them a chance to prove it for themselves. I mean, have faith. Yeah. I mean, what does that, what does that mean? Have faith in that article? Because it's not faith that you needed. You needed to actually show, convince people. Yeah, this, this is good. And this is interesting. And then I would have added a monetization later on top of that after actually having some sort of developed audience base and then putting in some sort of tiered system, something else. I think there, there is, I actually think the, the, what it does is going to be great. It's too early. And then I think how Google did it was a bit off. Um, I, I, I agree with Ollie Welsh on this. Like, I don't know why they were making accessories before they had enough people actually using it. That there was just, everything seemed like to be done slightly in the wrong order at the wrong time and not, not approaching it in ways where they're setting themselves up from success and adding, you know, you know, tempting, tempting candy or tempting, you know, things that would bring people to, to the platform itself. But I like the idea. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. I don't want to repeat um, points. I think uh, there was a good, so I think just a couple, just a couple pieces of commentary for me. So one is I do think this could have been a Google problem and not a game streaming problem. I don't know. I didn't actually read the Polygon article, so I don't know if this is the point they made, but there was a really great tweet going around that was a screenshot from a Reddit thread where there was a Google engineer talking about how things get launched at Google and, and just the culture of launching stuff and why why a product could could with 
with seemingly so much budget behind it and 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 so much sort of ex- enthusiasm behind it why it could just sort of die on the vine like that and so i'll just read from the tweet which is which is quoting this person it says to understand that you have to understand how google works the the career progression and promotion at google is based on quote unquote move the needle aka launches you launch a service or a major overhaul and you put in your promo package no one ever gets promoted for maintaining or fixing something broken. No, it is all about launching and then putting the launch in your promo package. When something like Stadia or any other service launches, you will always see an immediate slowdown in development and features. It is because all experienced and ambitious engineers leave the project very shortly after the launch because there's no promo food to get anymore. So they leave for a new project slash team where they can get more credits towards promo. The people that remain are those that cannot easily transfer teams, uh, i.e. inexperienced or sometimes just poor engineers. Uh, blah, blah, blah. When I worked at Google in 2012, internally, we called it the LPA cycle. Launch, promo, abandon. Yes, that is how we described it internally at Google at the time. So I think there could be like a cultural issue here. This kind of maps to what we saw with Stadia. They launched it. There's a lot of fanfare and it just sort of withered away. Right. And I think the other issue is they never, to your point, Eric, there's no content. Like, what am I getting this to play? Like, what? why would I do that? No. It, and they, they hired all these yeah. people, but they never bought a studio, <laughs> right? They just didn't invest in... They hired a bunch of big-name people, but they never they never bought content. They bought personalities, right? Um, and I think no. with the cloud gaming stuff, I mean, Microsoft is still making progress there, right? Like, they've, they've, they've got... You know, they've made... They, they have uh, the Xbox uh, streaming service running on iPhones. Right in the browser, like they're clearly investing in going to where the people are and bringing the game streaming to where the people are. Now, what does that mean? Does that become a massive, important category? I don't know. But if I want to stream my games, I can do it on my iPhone. That's way better than having some piece of hardware that I got to put on my TV. So, I mean, I I think, and the other point I would make, and this is more just me being cranky. It's kind of annoying, you know. And I'm not, I don't, you didn't do this, Chris, but you were, because you, you've been talking about the death of Stadia for a long time. But a lot of people were like celebrating, saying, I called it, I ca-. everyone called this. No one thought this was going to be successful. I don't remember talking to a single person that thought this was going to be successful. If you called it, you're just like everybody else. That wasn't like this stroke of genius or prescience. You know, you're not a, 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 a future teller, right? You're, you, 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 you had the consensus opinion if you thought this was going to fail. It, it wasn't some genius insight, right? I, everyone thought this was going to fail. The, con, the, the contrarian opinion was that it would, which I didn't hear from anyone, would have been that it would have been successful. No, well, okay. Let me defend the people that are naysayers that are like dancing like me is that I'm saying cloud gaming in general is going to fail. I, I, again, I think it's a feature on the box, right? I, I, I think new platforms are built by content, right? Fundam- fundamentally, like that is the problem. And so once I found out like four years ago when Google was building this tech that they were not, had, they had no content partnerships or a team building content, I knew this thing was going to fail from yeah. the get-go, right? Because if you can't build content that takes advantage of the platform, you're going to fail, right? And so I think people are... are, are always with these new technologies kind of uh, mixing it up. And how am I going to say this? So like mobile phones, right? Smartphones, again, in 2008, right? I don't think there was many people that didn't think that that was going to be a huge market besides BlackBerry, right? Who was popping off, (laughs) you know, whatever they were saying. Like, if you don't have a keyboard, it's going to fail type bullshit, right? But like, like that, that is a market that is going to grow. And so you build shit for that market, right? That makes sense, right? Like the consumers want that, right? Like it's, that seems obvious, right. but it's the same way that this is not obvious. There's no reason to buy a streaming device unless you have content that's super compelling that takes advantage of it, right? Of the, of the back end, and, and I think that's the same for the metaverse, right? And, and what Matthew Balt, sorry, we're gonna talk about this next week. What Matthew Balt talks about is server-side you know, experiences that only you can experience in the metaverse. That's going to be like the type of killer app that matters. But like trying to replicate what people do now in, in a new platform is, 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 is not a good strategy. It's kind of what I'm trying to say. And I hope I'm To me, this sounds sense. like yeah. a TiVo no, problem. So do you remember TiVo? The, you yeah. could record cable. The idea yeah. was sound. Right. It right. just couldn't. It wasn't a standalone product. It needed to be integrated. As you say, it's a feature. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. It's a feature, not not a not a platform. Which, which ended up and, happening, right? That's yeah. now every cable mm-hmm. service has that right. you know, right. natively available. Right. That's actually a really good example. I, I should have thought of that one. Like it's a it, 
Tebow was a much better experience mm. too than most other DVRs because you know the, the software was good and it was built you know efficiently or whatever it was just, it was faster, but it still is just a feature you know not a not a, not a service or a yeah I think another another um, good example of that was Clubhouse, right? I mean yeah. you know right, that just right, got right. integrated into Twitter and then Clubhouse just disappeared. I don't even know. I mean. I, I, even that concept is kind of well. Dumb. I but like I point of mechanics. I use it a lot. I thought Clubhouse was fun, but as soon as it got integrated with Twitter, where I'm already at, I'm already spending time in Twitter, and all my network is there, and I can just spin up a, a Twitter space and have a bunch of people there versus having to like set it up on Clubhouse and then actively promote people over to Clubhouse to listen. Right, that's obviously much more convenient, and it, yeah, it, it it didn't it wasn't substantive enough to be a standalone app. It needed to be a feature. In an existing app where there's already a network, dude. How much money did A1Z1 lose on that fucking investment, dude? That I mean, that is like well, they doubled down. They right? doubled down. They um, yeah, they tripled down. I think. I mean, it, it's that was crazy. But anyway, uh, what are your thoughts? Sorry, Elon Musk just said that he's actually going to acquire Twitter. Do you have any thoughts no, on that? No, like, this is so Twitter boring. This is shit. boring. This is rich people yeah. being bored and wanting to 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 generate excitement in their lives. That's all this is. Nothing's gonna. Ch- I mean, maybe some things change. I mean, in, in terms of like, Elon doesn't want to run another company. And he doesn't care about this. It was hubris and it was ego, right? And and that's what drove him to do this. And that people wouldn't listen to him. And I'm gonna buy you if you don't listen to me. It was just ego and and an inability to to recognize an, an ability to, to to admit that he 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 shot his mouth off. Right, and that, and he he painted himself into a corner where he had to acquire it. I don't think that's much is going to change. I don't think it's going to become some kind of safe haven for free speech, like he says. Um, if he, they do that, it's going to kill it, and then there's going to be another service that comes and 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 uh, steals its market share. And I mean, Twitter is kind of small potatoes anyway. I mean, you know, it's it's in terms of MAU, in terms of ad revenue, like, and even in terms of like what I've found is that LinkedIn is a way better platform for generating interest and activity. Like if I post a blog post on LinkedIn, I post it on Twitter. Sometimes LinkedIn generates like three times as many clicks, as many page views. And I have 8,000 followers on LinkedIn and like 30,000 on Twitter, right? So it's, yeah, I mean, the differential is insane. The engagement is way higher. Twitter is becoming just a cesspool, I think. And I don't care about this drama. I don't care about the soap opera with Elon Musk and you know the other billionaires who are who are waging war against each other. It's really boring, and I think it's just you know meet the media make you know seizes upon this um, in the same way they seize upon anything having to do with free speech and social platforms. Um, but in the reality of it is like uh, in, in a from from a day to day. And here's where I would put a stake in the ground, and maybe I'll be wrong about this. But in a year's time or two years time, the day to day experience on Twitter will not be meaningfully different than it is now. As a result of Elon's ownership, I think he'll probably do some financial engineering, cut fat, take it public again, totally divest himself, and make a lot of money and and do a, a, a touchdown dance. I don't know about that. I just don't see how they're going to build a business model around it. But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I don't think. Yeah, whatever. We'll see. Um, did you want to talk about your the death of uh, fingerprinting? Yeah, we could do that. And SCAD. 4. Um, yeah, I've been on a SCAD 4.0 kick recently. Uh, it's supposed to go live this quarter. Um, spoke to spoke to some people at Apple. They said that they reaffirm that timeline that it's gonna it's gonna go live at the end of this year. Now, whether that goes live as a as a beta or you know some kind of uh, you know limited release uh, or it, it's the full blown um, you know framework that remains to be seen. I, so I just get a lot of questions about fingerprinting, um, and you know my take here is that. What I was hearing about six months ago is that Apple was going to uh, undertake like an earnest effort to police fingerprinting Q4, right? And I tweeted about it, and I'd heard this from multiple people, right, from cre- multiple credible people. And my sense is that, yeah, they are, but that's going to be executed through just the release of SKNR 4.0 because that'll kind of obviate the need to do fingerprinting. I think a lot of advertisers don't want to do fingerprinting. They don't like the idea of turning on the probabilistic attribution with their attribution providers. They want to be more reliant on scan, but it just wasn't reliable. They couldn't. It was dysfunctional. And I think what people are hopeful of and what I'm hopeful of and what I think could be the ultimate route to um, 
just extinguishing the practice of fingerprinting, which is bad for everyone, and I, I get to that in a second, is just SCAD Network 4.0 negates the need to do it, right? And I, what I think will probably happen, actually, is Apple will sort of make an example of somebody, and that'll be the end of it. Everyone is going to switch over. Once that happens, everyone's going to say, you know what, not worth it. We knew this day was going to come. We were kind of prepped for it, and everyone will stop using it, and that's the end. Um, but the thing is, from an advertiser perspective, fingerprinting is is the practice of fingerprinting is hostile to you as an advertiser because all it's going to do is it's going to end up counting a bunch of organic installs as paid and you're going to end up paying for those, right? And this, this the, fingerprinting is the CFO's arch nemesis. Now, some UA teams are incentivized to look the other way on this and not care because, hey, number go up and that makes us look good. But the CFOs hate fingerprinting. And the second a CFO, uh, you know, becomes... Um, sort of aware of the idea that SK Ad Network could just replace the need for it, they're gonna uh, they're gonna motivate the UA team to stop using it. Um, and and fingerprinting is bad for privacy. Fingerprinting, there's no opt-in mechanic for fingerprinting. Fingerprinting is done without the consumer's uh, consent. It, it's done in a way where the consumer doesn't even know it's happening. So from a privacy perspective, it's a disaster too. My sense is fingerprinting ends with SK Ad Network 4.0. Google's already sort of announced their solution to it. That what I've been told is that that's going to go live in a beta this year. Now, um, so I think all right, the question yeah. is, wait, wait, hold on before you continue. The question is, does uh, this new SCAD network thing, uh, is it, does it match the fidelity of, that they're getting from fingerprints? It's better. It's better because SCAD network is perfectly accurate for install accounting, right? And it's going to have more context from in-app activity beyond the install. So it's better across the board. It's better. The problem with so will whale hunting will no, whale hunting be no, no, easier? No, no, no. It, fingerprinting does not allow for targeting, and targeting remains broken. Just it remains yes. Fingerprinting right. is an attribution mechanic, but that's what it's used for anyway. Fingerprinting was never used for targeting, right? And so all it allowed okay. people to do was get the real time install accounting, right? Because SKN network's broken, the timer system's broken. You didn't know you couldn't you didn't know uh, when the install happened. With with SKN network, you will four you will. Because there's three distinct. Anyway, I won't go into the details. But basically, my yeah, don't. I, I, I just I, the fidelity will be improved, the same or perfect. Improved, It'll be perfect fidelity. Yeah. You won't be overcounting. Because the thing is, if if you just right. took a, a even today a, a pure play SK Ad Network accounting of installs, those are always much lower than what the attribution providers are telling you, right? So you know you can just look at the numbers across the board. Every company that I work with, they say, man. I got to do some kind of adjustment. So the MMPs are, are, are over-attributing, in some cases, by a factor of two, right? I don't want to pay for these wow. installs. I know those are organic, but I can't separate them out, right? Everyone's going to be really happy when SKN Network is reliable for, like, kind of on a, on a okay. time-based install accounting. All right. So, so what does that mean for the, for the App Lovins, Iron Source, and Unity boards? Because basically, I'm hearing from investors that for the first time, the App Lovin guys are, 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 are just despondent. Right, they're they're out there and presenting at Goldman and other conferences, and and they just they feel beleaguered, right? They they don't know what to do next. So does this mean if this happens, their advantage goes away in the marketplace that they've had for the last six months, and and the pendulum swings back to like Facebook and other networks, or or what does it mean, like in terms of, uh, yeah, the ecosystem? I mean, that's a bigger that's a bigger question, right? Because there's a lot of so I think the fingerprinting aspect is 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 not as relevant for that question. But the, the fact is SKI Network is going to provide more data to use for understanding the performance of campaigns. Now, who's better at – who's the best at ingesting data and using it to optimize ad campaigns? Who's the best in the world, right? And who took the biggest hit when SKI Network was rolled out as being totally dysfunctional, right? So that would be the question that I start the, – the, the position that I start from, right, in, in answering that question. And it's like, well, if that's Facebook, then Facebook's going to benefit more as the tools get better. Right. Okay. All right. That's kind of my. That's the. Well, that's what people are thinking anyway. But we'll see. Yeah. Unity, Iron Source, App Loving. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right. Well, I Anything just. I, so I. You know. On? I don't. I don't have any opinion on on any of that. I will say though. I am. I think Q three earnings are going to be a dumpster fire. I think we're looking at some pretty. I think. I think. We're going to be shocked at 
how unprepared we were for how bad these earnings were. Like, I, I think a lot of people are thinking, eh, we kind of navigated this. We're sort of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I think Q3 is going to be a new low point. I think it's going to be bad. I mean, and why do I think that? Well, I mean, I, don't, I won't go into the specifics, but I think that. Like, I think Q3 is going to be bad across the board for tech. I think it's just going to be a bad quarter. I'm not, I, I'm not hearing good things either, <laughs> which is basically long console, short mobile. Like, that's, that's the thesis I'm I'm going I'm I'm sticking with it, <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, all right, guys. Well, I think this has been illuminating. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad Stadia is done, so I don't have to talk about it anymore. And I wish I wish Newzoo would just kind of like cop to the fact that they don't know what they're talking about when it comes to this stuff and. And maybe in your so there, there is something about Asia that that maybe there's some business there, but, uh, but anyway, well, it, I think we'll see. so. The Newsu thing kind of reminds me of that scene in uh, in The Big Short when like these these uh, MBSs were just imploding, right? And like you know the the mortgage defaults were skyrocketing, and uh, Christian Bale's character is calling the banks like, why haven't you updated? The prices of these MBSs, and they're like, I don't know, like, well, we, we, you know, because it's you can't mark to market it like such an illiquid thing. It's you could just say, well, I don't know, I think they're the same price, right? Like that's kind of like what they're doing because unless they just they discounted Stadia's contribution to zero in the first place, right? Because if if they always expected Stadia to fail, well, then maybe their projection doesn't change. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I, 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 I think it's more of like a political thing within the company that like the analysts probably know exactly this is what's going to happen and, and how dumb their forecasts are, but the powers that be want them to continue to forecast things aggressively. It's like kind of like that, but whatever, we'll see. Um, anyway, uh, I think that's all we got today. Next week, I'm excited to talk about the metaverse and Matthew Ball. And I want Eric to read the book or listen to the books on tape and contribute. Um, Laura, I think you're Dude, already you there, right? I, you don't remember you when I, I got a pre-print version of the book i read oh, it you? like months ago oh, before i talked about it oh yeah. sorry 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 i forgot i forgot um all right so you'll be ready to contribute as well. I, i'm actually i'm out um, next week i'm going to be in new york at a conference i i'm out i'm out for the i'm actually i might be able to join oh actually, I, I think i actually no please right. do because i i i think you're 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 kind of like you're you're kind of with ball i'm right? with ball like, i'm with ball i agree you're a fan ball. You're a Actually, I, 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 you know what? I blocked off time to do Twig, so I'll be there. I'll, I'll be on, uh, I won't be on right. my big mic. All right, Laura? I'll be there. All right. And then Levy also Ethan, is going to Ethan read it. He's going to join. Be back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, I think he's on my camp a little bit. But I don't know. I think it'll be interesting discussion because I think it, 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 I think it needs to be a little bit more scrutiny on this stuff and not just take it for face values as many people do. Cool. So, all right, guys. Well, have a good week. Stay all right. Trouble. Take care. See ya. All right, later. Thank you for listening to the whole episode. If you like this podcast, please do leave a comment and share the episode. If you want to access the Deconstructor of Fun community with hundreds of senior games folk, go to our website and apply to the Slack group. And if you want to get notified of all the new content we have coming out every week, do subscribe to the weekly Deconstructor of Fun newsletter. Finally, do remember... We love you guys and we appreciate you guys. Catch you next time.